welcome to the Fertility Conversations podcast. The goal of this podcast is to create more awareness about infertility and to provide support to people trying to conceive. Thank you for listening today, and we hope you will be encouraged. And now, here is your host, Ola. Welcome to episode 35. Today I'm joined by fellow infertility warrior Kurai from Zimbabwe. She'll be sharing her journey with us today, um, her journey to becoming a parent. To connect with her on Instagram, uh, handle is at IVF South Africa. And her details would also be in the show notes. So welcome, Karai, and thank you for joining us today. Hi, Ola. Thanks for having me. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> so to start off, we always say, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, a little bit about myself. My name is Kurai. I was born and raised in Zimbabwe. I currently reside in South Africa, um, where I went to university and yeah, I just decided to stay, I guess. So yeah, so I've probably lived here more than I have lived, I think, in my home country or probably just, yeah, because I'm 38. Uh, so mm-hmm. I've literally lived half my life in Zimbabwe and half my life in South Africa. Oh, wow. Yeah. So you're both yeah. you're Zimbabwe and South African. <laughs> No, no, no. I'm very, uh, when it comes to identity, it's, it's, it's one of those, I'm very much Zimbabwean, like oh, wow. through and through. I, I just reside and yeah, All I right. work here and live here, but yeah. Sounds good. And how did you and your spouse meet? Oh, how did we meet? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, there's always two sides to a story. <laughs> but yeah, just the long and not even the long, the, the short version is we met at university when I was in my second year and he was in his third year um, oh. of university. So we met uh, because a friend of mine caught a bus ride uh, from Zim to, to school with him. And that's how we started talking. So yeah, so I met him at varsity. Oh, that's nice. I guess that's a good thing about coming to university in South Africa. Hey? <laughs> you can meet us. You know what I mean? <laughs> you never know. <laughs> you never know. And so just because we're going to be talking about um, fertility today and infertility, I wanted to ask, was there a particular time that you knew you wanted to become a mom? I don't think when I look back, I can really pinpoint to a certain time and I say, oh no, when I was 15 or when I was this age, I really was like, oh my goodness, I'd like to be a mom. Mm-hmm. Um, probably in just from a subconscious perspective, probably yeah. like I just always just knew, or maybe it's just one of those where you think to yourself, it's just a natural progression of how life would be. You know, yeah. at some point I'm going to get married. At some point I'm going to then eventually become a mom, but I don't think it was a very conscious sort of decision. No, you know, not even decision, but like, a memory that I would be able to go back to and say at that age I wanted to be that oh, okay I just always wonder because you know you know sometimes I'm not sure how it is in Zimbabwe or South Africa but in Nigeria of course you know I think it's always assumed you're going to become a mom so and when you're growing up as a child you keep uh you know every time they ask you what do you want to become it's like I want to become a mom just because <laughs> it seems like everyone talks about that <laughs> well, the, no I think there is an expectation yeah. I, I think there is an expectation um you all know there is an expectation, but I do not think it is, or like it was probably in my four sort of front to say, oh no, that is exactly, right. you know, eventually, yeah, I'm going to be that. But maybe it's because of the fact that anyway, it's expected. I, I never <laughs> tossed with the idea of saying, mm-hmm. you know, no, not really. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. So now let's go into your fertility journey so far. Could you please share that with us? 
whatever you want so, to do. So the fertility journey, what I did know is when I got married, I remember uh, saying that I do not want to immediately then have kids. Um, mm-hmm. So I got married when I was 30, my 30, 2012. Yes. It's the year that I turned 30. Then I got married and I remember thinking, oh no, um, I do not want to, you know, I want to wait a couple of years and then only then later on decide to say, oh no, that's when I would like to have kids because I just thought to myself, I want to just have time where it's just my, you know, my husband, myself being a parent comes with responsibility and all of that. So no, I then said, oh, okay, we'll wait a couple of years. Um, I think we only then decided to start trying to have a child in 2015. Um, <clears throat> didn't really uh, think much of it, you know, I guess, you know, you at some point you have sex and at some point, you know, you will yeah. get pregnant, that sort of thing. And I remember a colleague, you know, so after a couple of months, you know, you, as people tend to do or women tend to do, you start talking and then you say to someone, oh, no, I've been trying, but nothing seems working out. It's the first time someone ever said to me, oh, do you know about an ovulation kit? And I remember going, what? You know, you've heard ovulation, <laughs> but like, I didn't know like you could track this, right? Yeah. She says, no, 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 you go get this. Anyway, she tells me I go get an ovulation kit. Now I'm like listen here, Halbi, this is how it's going to happen. <laughs> Apparently you do this on a certain day. Um, and, you know, tried that, timed the intercourse, all of that stuff, nothing is, is happening, right? Um, but didn't think really much anything of it because, you know, it's probably like month one, month two sort of thing. So, oh, well, it is what it is. We just, if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, oh, well, there's no real pressure to say, by this time I want to be like pregnant. Mm-hmm. Um, and because of the whole timing of the intercourse and stuff like that, I then figure out, oh no, certain day I'm ovulating. And I remember, oh, got pregnant naturally. Um, and then I think probably five or six weeks into it, I remember going to the gynae for the first time. So it was just a you know, normal, typical test that you do pee on a stick and it says positive. And you're like, oh, okay. I went to my GP, had a blood test and it was also confirmed pregnant. Said, oh no, don't, you know, I guess wait a while and before you go to the gynae and all of those things. Got there. Oh no, everything is fine. Then the gynae, what piqued my interest, he said something like, oh no, you are uh, probably like, oh no, you're only like five weeks pregnant. So this, you know, I said to him, no, it's impossible because I know when it is that I conceived. And I remember him saying something that didn't sit well with me to the point where I knew when I left the, the, what you call it? The consultation room that I knew I was not coming back to this gynae. So Mm. he says to me, oh no, oh, women always never know when they get pregnant. And so I thought, wow. no, 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 no. I, I know it because of the <laughs> fact that it was timed. So yeah. I, was, I was irritated of his dismissiveness. Yeah. Uh, and I said, I don't want to ever come back. Anyway, I then um, leave. But on that particular day, I go back to the office. And when I go back to the office, I start bleeding. As we all do, you Dr. Google it. Listen here, what's going on, Dr. Google? Dr. Google says, oh, no, it's typical, you know, in pregnancy to, to have that or whatever it is. I then uh, later on call my original gynae, my normal gynae that I go to. And he says, oh, no, you must come in. I go in. I realized, oh, no, miscarriage. Or I'm in the process of miscarrying or whatever. So that happened. Had to have a DNC. So the first pregnancy, I guess, did, then did not work out. Um, go back to the gynae a couple of weeks later. On, oh, no, don't worry about it. Do you know what? It happens in most first trimesters. Uh, no real reason why it probably just happens it's one in four or one in whatever number they tell you that there is um so no and anyway you're young don't worry about it so when he's saying i'm young i am 30 if it's 2015 i am 33 can i calculate 
I think I am 33. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so I'm like, oh, okay, I guess, you know, it is that I carry on. We keep on trying, go back. No, man, you're still young. You're this, that. Uh, talking to colleagues again, you hear about the Clomid, your Fetamid and that sort of thing. I go back to him, listen, yeah, why won't you put me on this? Because, you know, other people are saying it's working out and stuff like that. Yeah. No, I don't think it's necessary and whatever. Carry on. So fast forward and we are at the end of 2016. And then I discovered, oh no, my fibroids are back. So I've had fibroids, I'd had surgery before where it was a myomectomy removing fibroids. Um, so those are back. So anyway, let's first deal with those. Maybe that's what's causing the, what you call it, the trying to get pregnant and not working right. out. So I have the surgery. It pauses the, the treatment. Oh, I've been the treatment yet. So it pauses the whole trying to make that until, I mean, trying to have a baby until I'm healed up and whatever. So now we're in 2017. Well, no, no, no. We're in 2016. I then say uh, to the doctor, I go back, listen here, something is just not right because I keep on trying for months and, you know, and nothing is happening. Mm-hmm. And in that moment, again, I thought to myself, no, self-advocate. Do you know what? I'm going to go seek uh, a fertility specialist. Uh, I go and try Dr. Google, but I knew I just don't want to now go in and wing this with regards to it. And coincidentally, my husband's um, therapist had also suffered from infertility and suggested the clinic that I went to. Eventually, went to that clinic, did the battery of tests. Um, and then I was diagnosed with low ovarian reserve. Um, and that my, I think one of my tubes was obstructed because of the previous surgeries and um, the fibroids that I'd had before. So because of adhesions. Um, so then he says, okay, let's try IUI. Uh, no, no, no. Before I went to IUI, he did the whole treated cycle. Um, did, I think, two rounds of a treated cycle, one without a trigger shot, one with natural intercourse or something like that. Both did not work out. Escal- I mean, I guess up the ante and then went to IUI. Um, and then still that did not work out. Then he says, I guess you were our last option that we'll try would be IVF. Now the clinic was a clinic that was a bit on the pricier side. And I knew I was definitely not able to afford it. So our search turn- quickly turned into the cheapest IVF in Johannesburg um, or in South Africa, really. And I bumped into a blog that had been written years ago by another lady. And she had just written about the fact that you can get um, IVF at three government hospitals within South Africa. And Steve Biko, which happens to be in the province that I live, which is in Pretoria, um, offered that. So, yeah, they went to Steve Biko, um, did the consultations there, battery of tests again and stuff like that, confirmed that we have to have IVF. Did my first round of IVF. I remember thinking... The needles are daunting. I, I, I'm not going to be able to self-administer these. I never self-administered, not even a single one. Like, oh, wow. never. <laughs> um, so, yeah, did the first round of IVF and it worked. Um, literally, I, I, pregnancy announcements that are Pinterest worthy and everything that goes with it sent it to every person that I knew. Because I remember after the first... Um, miscarriage because my husband had said oh no we mustn't tell anyone about the pregnancy um until we're like three months and then I remember I literally turned around and said oh so what if something then happens so what do we do do we still tell the people or not tell the people and then when when something then did happen I was like I I'll never ever let this ever happen again because for me I really felt like I wanted to 
to literally have God praised because of the fact that, you know, he had blessed me with a child. But because yeah. of the fact that now that had not happened, the only news you're telling people is like, oh, no, we've had a miscarriage. And the only reason why we probably felt like we should tell people is because I was going in for surgery. And, you know, I live far away from my family. So I guess it was, I guess we tell them out of, oh, no, this is what's happening. Yeah. And just in case. Anyway, so the second time around, I was like, I'm telling everybody, I told everybody. And then it turned out that it was an ectopic pregnancy. Okay. Wow. Take some so methotrexate. Um take the methotrexate and we will just uh, hope that the, wherever the, the, the pregnancy is lying, I guess it will deal with it. Um, and I remember before I took the methotrexate, so I said to the, you know, to the doctor, okay, fine, I'll take it. Um, they bring it in and I was like, you know what, not today. Let me just give God one more chance uh, from the perspective of I want to go home and I'm going to ask God to just work out a miracle for me because I don't think I want to, you know, Mm-hmm. yeah we, this is not going to happen anyway left went I remember screaming on the top of my lungs when I got in this very room I remember just screaming and going God what's a pregnancy to you if you can move mountains what's a you know what's a yeah. pregnancy that's probably less than a, you know how they say oh no it's a, the size of a mustard seed you know mm-hmm. or it's the size of this now or poppy seed whatever they, they say our sizes of pregnancy <laughs> yeah uh, so I thought if, if that's you know who you are what is that anyway um, that did not happen. So I went back, took the methotrexate uh, and hoped for the best. And I remember a few days later on thinking, oh no, man, I've got these terrible cramps and, and something's just not right. Went back, realized, oh no, I am bleeding internally. Had to go and get um, emergency surgery for them to remove uh, one of my tubes because that's where the bleeding was. And then it turns out that's where the, so the methotrexate had not worked. Um, so I ended up losing one of my tubes, but I guess with, with IVF, knowing that I already, I was going to be on it. Um, I didn't necessarily need the tubes, you know, because IVF would, you know, fill that gap. So that cycle, I guess in the end did not work out. So it didn't result in a pregnancy that was carried to term, um, rested for a couple of months, I think, and then, um, went back. Um, did my second cycle and my second cycle was successful and it resulted in my son adequate. So yeah, that is just like <laughs> the journey. I hope I didn't take like long-winded. No, it was great. Thanks so much for sharing. I'm so sorry about your losses. Uh, and we're thankful for your handsome young son. Yeah. Um, just actually ask a question. When you had had two losses and then you had your pregnancy with your son did it impact how you how you felt like were you worried were you scared what was you mean during like during the pregnancy pregnancy, yeah I, i i was thinking about that because somebody else asked me that question and i thought was i terrified and knowing what i know now about that just because you're pregnant does not mean you're going to carry to full term. Mm-hmm. It has, it has probably sort of like it, I mean, it's not as if I've never heard of people, you know, refer to stillbirth or to say, Oh no, you know, the pregnancy was cut short prematurely at X amount of weeks or something like that. But yeah. I never sort of, um, I don't think I was, I don't remember being fearful. I don't remember mm-hmm. worrying and saying, am I going to carry this person to term? Because I think in my head, 
what my body was failing to do in my head, what I concluded that it was failing to do was just to get me pregnant. I don't know if that makes sense. Right. So it, yeah. my, my, my thinking was, my hurdle was being, was getting pregnant. And now that I've gotten pregnant, I guess we're, you know, we're on our way and that's it. So I don't think I ever had that or a fear of, oh no, I'm not going to do this or I'm not going to do the other because of the fact that, oh no, this might happen or this might not happen. Um, I don't know. I don't recall that. I remember exercising throughout. I remember I was just like, people are like, oh my goodness, uh-huh. I didn't realize that you were pregnant or I didn't realize. And I remember just thinking, oh yeah, I am. But I was not, you know, telling Tom, Dick, Barry and whoever. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was because of just... I was choosing not to, not necessarily because I was fearful of, oh no, that would happen or the, the next thing would happen. But I just thought to yeah. myself, my uterus, my business, you know, yeah. those were close. If they know, they know that sort of thing. Pretty much. But no, I don't remember having a, a fear or having some sort of trip addition during the pregnancy. Mm, wow. Mm. Thank you for sharing. Do you think, ro- uh, sorry, faith played any role? I mean, I know you mentioned uh, you praying to God for that topic, but... Um, what role do you think faith played? In I think faith played like a major role. Um, it's major to the point where I say this story. So, you know, if you're raised in a Christian home, you are, I, I guess by default, you're Christian. I mean, yeah, pretty much. You, you wake up every day, somebody's <laughs> going to tell you, we say, our father, before you eat, you pray. Yeah. Before you do that, you, you know, it, it's your Christian. But I don't think you're a Christian to the extent of saying, personally it is a choice that i have made to say this is the path that i would like to you know to go on mm-hmm. um so yeah so i think you go through the motions of oh no i'm christian i'm this that you know you pray you i guess because you you know this is how i know to live out life but i think for me this journey really i think then led me to have a personal relationship where i think i understood god's role in my life from the perspective of I think I always believe I'm a person who's like, if I work hard, I'll get what I want. If mm. I, you know, if I have my ducks in a row, when they say you can't pass this exam, they don't know me, I can sit. I'm Zimbabwean. Hey, we, we are, it's indoctrinated in us. You will sit here and have, you know, study all night because you want that A. <laughs> yeah. Your parents tell you education is everything. That's how you, you know, you do not, you can escape poverty. That, you know, that sort of thing. So in my, you know, in my head, I've done everything by the book, you know? I didn't get pregnant yeah. before a certain age. I have a decent job. Our finances are looking okay. So therefore, everything is stacked. We have planned, right? Mm-hmm. This is exactly how our life is going to sort of uh, pan out. And then this one thing, okay, you have planned. Cool. But I'll show you who God is. Because as perfect as your plan was, no matter how much I willed it, no matter how much I wanted it, I still, it, it has made me know that really when people say I counted all joy, I never understood this. I, when I say never, never, I used to say, I don't know, this was probably written for, I mean, this was James, you know, God's brother. So surely yeah. he can say that. Right. But for me now, I really and absolutely say, this is my testimony to say, I have seen who God is. Uh, to really believe when people say I counted all joy because I always think this. I think if I had gotten it in a way that was just so easy or not even easy, I mustn't say that, you know, loosely but like in a way that was just okay Kurai's arranged a life and there she goes and then she has a child I do not think I would have placed God in any of that or given him a rightful place in my life because everything seemed to have just happened because I work hard I am this and all of those things 
So really for me, faith played a big role because of the fact that it really made me go on and say, who is God in my life? And the person who goes in and says, he is everything and more of that. Yes, science played a role because he gave those people intelligence enough to be able to do that. But the ultimate person who said yes or whatever was God. Yeah. So yeah, so that's, for me, it's a, it was a major role. Major role from the perspective of when I thought I was losing it because this journey is a roller coaster ride. One oh, minute yeah. you're like, oh my goodness, they say the lining is like X centimeters. <laughs> oh yeah. my God. You, you know how like you're on, on the moon, like you're yeah. on top of the stars and it's centimeters for something, right? And the next day someone says, I don't know what's going on, but you know, it's not as responsive. And then you're thinking, but listen, weren't we on top of the exactly. mountains now? How are we at the bottom of this again? You know, yeah. um, I went back into, and lately I've, I've, I do it often where I go back into my old WhatsApps during those periods. And I'm like, I just wanted to understand like my psyche at that point or whatever. But I remember the one thing that my sisters would just do was just to, I would literally just write, today's a crappy day, you know? Mm-hmm. And it was just them saying, and sometimes I'd say, I don't even know what to pray to God because I just don't have the words. And they would, and all I would do was be crying, right? Just crying. Mm-hmm. And I remember one thing that stood out was my sister sent me an image and he says he collects every tear, right? Oh. Uh, and he says the Holy Spirit groans on your behalf. And you think, oh, really? But because of this, I know that because I could not formulate words to say, you know what it is that I want. You know where you end up just saying, you know what it is. And it's just floods of tears and, and just that. Mm-hmm. So for me, faith kept me sane. It kept me sane from the perspective of just knowing he's raining above it all. You know, like he's not pacing up and down heaven thinking, oh my goodness, I kind of forgot about cry today. And oh man, he's, you know, yeah. she's crying and she's in distress. I have not because he says he's seated. I imagine that, you know, but that's, yeah, that's what it was for me. A God who kept me in intact, knowing who he is and giving him his rightful place. That's what this journey has done for me. Wow. That's what it's done for me. Well said. So beautiful. And what a wonderful testimony you have. Mm. Such a blessing. Mm. Thank God. Um, And in your journey, I mean, you mentioned your sisters and speaking with them and crying to them. Um, I just wonder, did you have any other, did you have any other friends or family members dealing with infertility at the same time? No, I've never, Ah. I remember one of the posts that I wrote and my only time I ever heard reference to infertility was like, you know, when your older aunties are gossiping and you're, you're young, right? <laughs> yeah. Like you're sort of conscious of, I don't think this is appropriate. Mm-hmm. But it's not like you can turn around and go, uh, I don't think that's appropriate <laughs> that we should be talking about someone's, you know, yeah. and you're young. Um, and that was the only reference, but it was a reference that almost had like a negative connotation, like mm-hmm. a, a, like a snickering or a sniggering that you knew something was just not right because if it was something that was okay to say surely they would be saying it in front of her right yeah exactly um so i think I, I i sort of just knew from a young age oh that didn't seem right but you can't really verbalize it to really say what does that really mean mm-hmm. um and now that i'm older it's that whole thing that we keep on talking about the whole stigma thing, you know, from a cultural perspective, oh, there must be something wrong with her. And later on, as I grew older, I think what I discovered was that it was an aunt who had, had lost um, her babies when 
I think when they were really in their infancy and stuff. And I just remember just thinking, oh, that's what that was about. But it was being said in hushed tones or whatever it is because I guess of the stigma that's associated with it. I had never heard any of my friends or my um, relatives ever talking about, oh no, we had a miscarriage or anything like that. I really don't recall that. So literally this was like a solo journey. And then when I was in a, like a connect group, a group from church and we were praying. So we're in the thick of our infertility journey. And literally I remember just bursting out in tears and just crying and just saying, listen guys, could you just pray for us from, you know, from the perspective of this whole infertility treatment that we're going through and that sort of thing. And I remember a friend uh, within the same group, it turned out that we were at the same fertility clinic oh. and had the same doctor, Oh my! but nobody had ever said it. But I remember then that her husband is the one who literally piped up and said, oh, no, we're going through something like that as well. And the lady's house where we're at, she had gone through infertility in Zimbabwe. And I remember her inviting us for lunch like the next week just because and when they shared their story with us, I remember it, it had like a liberating thing because where I thought to myself, finally, I can just probably just say this with people who are beyond my family or beyond whoever it is because, hey, what are the odds? Three people who are sitting in this room have all experienced yeah. this. So that was the first time I ever experienced somebody else or having somebody else also go on and share their story. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And that's amazing so that though. Experience. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing that you, you, know, you spoke out and if you hadn't, you wouldn't have realized there was someone else right there. Also exactly. And, and, and that friend of mine used to be like my running partner, my, you know, and, and you wow. think to yourself at no point do you ever say, hey, but you know, guy, this is what I'm going through. Not necessarily that, you know, it never came up. Um, mm. And I just, you know, it, it never occurred to me to probably actually say it and say, oh no, so what's happening with you? Because you always assume yeah. it must be happening so easy for everybody else. I mean, exactly. it must be my, like, I must be the only one. <laughs> yeah. Because no one is talking about it, right? So it's like, yeah. It must just yeah. be you. Wow. Mm. Which brings me back to the next question, actually. Um, I mean, the fact that you spoke up and then found out someone else was dealing with it. And of course, as you, you might realize, I mean, I'm sure in Zimbabwe, it might be the same. In Nigeria, people don't talk about infertility, even though I know lots of people are dealing with it. But I think for some reason, it, there's just so much taboo and stigma, like you mentioned earlier. So what made you start speaking about infertility and your experience so openly i'm sure that this is not really popular in the sense that not, not a lot of people are doing it I, I think it was that very reason knowing that it's, it's 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 not spoken about and it's not being and i thought to myself why not and like i said to you the reason why i found steve because because somebody wrote a blog about it exactly i think to myself if they had never ever written a blog about it i would never like it had never occurred to me. And, and, I, and I'll tell you this much, like with government hospitals, it's literally like, oh, if you go to government, ooh, you, you must be, have a death wish, you, you know, like yeah, um, right? you must want some malpractice sort of lawsuit to be suing mm. the government for something or the other. Um, but it's because of that. So therefore I, it had never occurred to me that surely there must be different departments at a hospital that goes in, a, you know, that go on and deal with this sort of stuff. Never. So I remember just thinking to myself, it is probably my way of paying it forward because of what another person did. They, wow. they shared because of their experience, they decided to write a blog. I then Google, I then find this. And that's why I think for me, I even said 
when I started the whole, I'll start the page. Um, and you were asking me, why is it called IVF South Africa? And I'm, and I'm so happy. <laughs> yeah. It was because whenever I used to search, um, looking for something, you know, like information with regards to IVF in South Africa, I would always type out IVF South Africa. <clears throat> and I guess it's a search engine optimization. And because I just thought to myself, surely that's what, you know, the first thoughts or what I thought to search would be was that to say IVF South Africa. And that's the real reason why I started it, just from the perspective of I wanted to be a signpost or a source of some sort of information <clears throat> of my experience within South Africa that other people who are like me, who have who are of similar circumstances like me, who were saying, yes, I've got the knowledge that I could go and get this treatment, but I do not, I can't afford it in a private clinic or something like that. So at least they now know that there's a Steve Beagle. They've got an option that is yeah. way cheaper compared to a private clinic. So yeah, so that's the real reason for me speaking out to just hope that I'll be a source of information for somebody who's trying to navigate this journey within South Africa. Yeah, and that's yeah. wonderful. It is actually, because I know lots of people will see your page, see what you're doing and you know, just maybe even silently just read your experience and feel encouraged to know that there's somebody else that dealt with something similar. So that's wonderful that you're doing that. Has there been any, um, I don't want to say, how have people, maybe that's the right question, how have people uh, responded? Just random public or you know, when you share a video and you show your face? Because again, you know, many times, even when uh, we set up accounts to share this information, many times we don't want to show our faces just because you don't want people to identify it with yourself. So, you know, and of course, many of your very first videos, maybe even the first one, you know, you were, your face was right there. You did a live, like a video. <laughs> so I'm just wondering, uh, how do people receive that? Um, I remember taking the plan. So, so, so I had opened the page. Yeah. I had also nothing personal on my page. Like literally, if, if you probably go back to my page, like literally I only started really posting consistently and doing all the stuff. Lockdown will do <laughs> yeah, lockdown. make you realize <laughs> you've got so much time on your hands you might as well learn a new skill right yeah, totally, um, totally. Mm-hmm. So, so literally I remember saying to myself oh my goodness I've always wanted to start this YouTube thing and my sister said you know what we're tired of it we've heard it for so many years that mm-hmm. page that you call whatever your Instagram page please one joke like literally my first post <laughs> is like <laughs> my first post is like a joke or something that says um if people say money can't buy you happiness, they've never tried IVF. Which is true. Which is true. So that's how literally I used to be wanting to be a source. I don't know whether I would have been a great source with jokes on it. Anyway, it would have lightened the load. Um, so I remember, so my sisters then said to me, listen, yeah, just do something. And I re- literally did, I think, I swear, I'm sure that video is probably like, probably if it's at most, it's like a minute or a minute and a half. And I literally was just saying, the reason why I'm doing this is because of the fact that I wanted to see a person who looked like me, uh, who shared my circumstances, who came from an environment that said, you can't do this, um, who said, no, you can't speak up about this. And I just thought to myself, why not challenge? And my first video was, I, I think, you know, would have challenged a couple of people just to say, I want to speak about it from an African perspective, from a black perspective. Um, and I don't take that lightly because I just think to myself and I'm very, I hope it comes across that literally it is, it's not necessarily to say I want it to be to the exclusion of um, anybody who's of a different color to me, but I want to be able to go on and show to a person who looks like me, sounds like yeah. me, 
has the same sort of circumstances that are like mine to say it you can um have this you can do this uh there are ways for us to be able to do this because i think if you go into the world of this whole social media thing you can get you can feel like you're drowning and think to yourself how come i haven't even seen anybody who looks like me so really i don't yeah. think it's for people like me let alone exactly. because our communities are not even talking about it yeah. so really surely it must be for people who are not like us um why do i decide i, I think the response has really been positive Wonderful. i remember just from that video mm. the amount of responses that i got like literally you know relatives that you haven't heard from like <laughs> in a minute yeah <laughs> I heard from friends from high school. I heard from, and people literally just rooting me on and saying, oh my goodness, this is like, you know, like this is really, really brilliant. Um, well done for doing this. You're so brave. And I just thought, I don't know whether I sit well with that whole statement of you're so brave because I think, well, it I, is, I don't it think is brave. Anything. It is yeah. <laughs> it's very brave. Do, do you know, I, I think to myself, what people are already going through on these journeys is, 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 is brave you know to embark on this and to say i'm going for it with all the the roller coasterness of this you know sort of thing um i'm hoping it'll get to one day where we don't say you're brave but we say you know oh man oh yeah i kind of knew that i've already tried that because of the fact that we're just talking about it and becomes you know i either buying brown bread hovis or i buying <laughs> albany or whatever it is oh yeah. no, you should try the hovis it's really really nice yeah do you know what i mean like exactly. i hope it'll get to, but the, the reception has been brilliant um a lot of people actually saying the same thing about, oh, no, thank goodness you said this because I didn't think this could ever happen for me. Oh, my goodness. Oh, you did go through the whole government thing. I was always so scared because I just, you know, I would always so have these bad sort of um, people reviews with regards. Oh, my, you know, you don't want to go to a government hospital. But no, so yeah. the reception has been good. Um, really, I've never, I would be lying if I said I've ever seen a comment that made me just go, are you kidding me? No. Yeah. No. So... So, it just goes to show that people probably do, a, you know, they, they were yearning for stuff like this, or, yeah. you know. Yeah. Well done. And I love the, uh, you did something as well for the, I can't remember the name now, but there was a wedding company in South Africa that you also Oh, so, so, so it's these wedding pages. I'm, I'm sure you guys have, you know, like similar pages, like, yeah. um, like your wedding digest or. Yeah. Or Bella Niger like a really popular, yes. Like yeah, Bella Niger okay. wedding. So literally, I just did this. My sister said on a whim, like she used to follow that page. And then she said, listen, yeah, they had this other lady who was sharing her story and her story had to do with, um, so the title of the series, oh my goodness, I can't even remember now this, as soon as I, I was saying it. But in any event, so, so, so she titled this, it had something to do with the fact that she had been in an abusive relationship and she was just sharing a story. And their thing, I guess, was to do with the fact that also, they titled it A Journey of a Thousand Miles. Mm. Um, so my sister saw this and then she said, listen, yeah, I think this would be a really brilliant thing because of the fact that in as much as, yes, it's a wedding page, but they are more of, it's not only about the wedding day, but literally yes. like what happens afterwards. You, do you know what I mean? Like yeah. we all celebrate these brilliant uh, weddings of ours because of the fact that, yeah, we should. Um, exactly. But I think also to just be really truthful of, okay, it's not they lived happily ever after or it's yes they did live happily ever after but they had gone through you know left right up down because that's how life is like uh mm -hmm. it's not going to be first comes love then comes marriage then comes a baby in a baby carriage it doesn't yeah. look like that for everybody um and they wanted to showcase that so i literally on a whim wrote and said hi this is me and this is my story wondering if you guys are interested 
and they were like oh my goodness come on board we would love to do this <laughs> and that's exactly how I did it so I did it with the first um weddings page and then I went and did it again on another uh wedding page that's called Zim Weddings as well and it was the same reception like literally oh my goodness this will be so brilliant I, I'm sure a lot of people would appreciate this and and they did you know like literally I remember just thinking the amount of messages that I got from the inbox, just people asking, oh my goodness, so if this is happening, where can I get it? How can I do it? And stuff like that. And yeah, it was just literally that way. I just thought to myself, why not reach out to places that I would think just sharing my story would be able to go on and have more, and like, you know, a greater audience that would, you never know, someone's sister sitting there and their sister's going through this and they would be able to say, hey, guess what? There is hope out there. And that's what I okay. hope just, you know, sharing my story does for other people to just go on and say there's hope. Exactly. Well done. It's really, really amazing. Yeah. And it's just, a, I mean, it's so true how you mentioned, you know, when we all focus a lot on the weddings, we need to also have those conversations, just letting people know that different people have different paths and different things will happen. It might not happen to you. Don't have, you're not trying to scare them, but you just, no. just, you know, creating a vision of reality of what different options so, because I because I guess the greatest disappointment is everybody's painted these fairy tales, and then when they're not happening like that, we are either questioning ourselves and thinking we are inadequate, exactly because who, because if it's happening for Ola um, in that way, how come it's not happening for me yeah. in that way? Is there something wrong with me? What have I not done? What am I doing wrong? Uh, because we internalize a whole lot of the stuff with regards to that because society says it's supposed to look like X. And if it's not looking like that, what's going on? Somebody exactly. must be to blame. Yeah. Exactly. So thank you so much. And we need more of that to adequately prepare youth and other people coming behind us. So well done. Thank you. And we hope that uh, your bravery <laughs> would uh, lead other women and men to share their stories as well. Mm. so wonderful now of course because we're talking about marriages um and infertility uh i wonder was there any impact on your relationship with your husband the, the infertility journey i, I think it, i'm sure if if you would walk out of this and it has had no impact mm. I'm, I'm not sure what <laughs> any one of you would be made of <laughs> like I, I i like if this does not change you on some level yeah. Um, I, I don't know what will, you know, and, and I think it's got different facets. And during the time I remember when we did the live, so I, I say to my husband, so for starters with the live, I say to my husband, I know you do not want to really get involved. Okay. <laughs> but whenever we do this, please may we do it together. And the reason why I said that I said, because I want to frame this and phrase it, um, in a way that goes on and says, when people do this, it's two people who are doing it. Yes. It's saying to another guy who's sitting there, look at how macho and manly this guy looks and is still with the girl who could, you know, who had some sort of infertility item and they can have a laugh and they're still cool and nothing about him takes away his manhood just because he's sitting next to this chick. And if, even if the roles were reversed and he, you know, it was a male factor infertility, I, because I think we often just see it's the woman or society says it's the woman's fault or yeah. um, it says a lot of people DM'd me, no lie, saying, oh my goodness, I wish my husband could just come on board. I was glad. I, I remember a lady saying to me, the only reason my husband has agreed or his mind has changed is because he saw your husband sharing his story. 
and I was like this is exactly wow. what I was talking yeah. about. I could not have been so far-fetched to realize that because of a lot of times people go on and just say, ah, oh, it's a woman. Hey, the women, they like to talk. You're, hey, they're talking. Yo, they're just still talking. Mm-hmm. But I just <laughs> think to myself, no, yeah. I'm telling you, like, where you think to yourself, it's so important for, for people to have the right sort of picture of it because it tied not at any point did you think, oh, no, I'm not in this. Oh, no, we're not doing this together or whatever it was. Or, oh, no, I'm not on board. Um, he was like through and through like with me on board with regards to this whole thing. So for me, the impact that it had, I remember as we we're talking about it with the tie, I said, I don't think I ever stopped and said to you, are you okay? Or how are you doing? Right. Yeah. I, I remember, I think it was all about, and I said to him, I think the only energy that I had was to try and keep myself okay. Mm-hmm. So yes. And as much as we're going through this and we're sitting in there, and I'm just probably thinking in my head, oh, this is me again. I'm going in for another surgery. This is me again. I'm going in for another DNC. This is me again. Uh, I have to take the injections. Uh, this is really, really painful. This is really, really crappy. I would like to do all sorts of things, but I can't because I'm timing this and I'm timing that and this is not working out. And it was all on me. I don't think I had the capacity to even stop to say, we're going through this together. Let me just ask the other guy, how are you doing? Yeah. I, I, and I literally said, I think what I lacked was the capacity to be able to actually do that for you emotionally because of just what I was going through. I remember sharing and saying, what this does, and I remember laughing and I said, what I knew, you know, in the what I wish I knew, yeah. that, listen here, we're about to go military in the sense of, <laughs> this is not making love. I literally wrote that. I said, this is not making love. Let's not, no, this is baby making. There's, a, there's two different things. When we make love, it's when, I don't know, when people are just like, ooh, I kind of like you today. You kind of look hot. That yeah. is, uh, <laughs> infertility is not bad when you're, when you're trying to, you know. And I remember saying what it did for our sex life was it became mechanical oh, yeah. or it became a means to an end. We are doing it because of the fact that I would like to have this baby. I remember Ola on one of the treatments that I said, and I said, oh, no, it didn't work. It didn't work because after the whole treatment, paid for the cycle, paid for the, this is a treated cycle, paid yeah. for all of that. And I remember that that cycle cost me probably about 5,000 rand. And I remember the nurse, you know, with the fertility specialists, they always have the, the nurses and the nursing coordinators who coordinate the stuff. And I remember she says, okay, today is the day you go in the head, you know, and <laughs> I remember getting home. And all I could think of the whole entire day was, oh my goodness, so today's the day. Oh my goodness, so today's the day. The pressure, the pressure, the pressure, the pressure. No pressure, especially for your husband, eh? (laughs) But listen, I felt the pressure. It's interesting, right? (laughs) I felt the pressure to the point where I was like, "Um, I just can't. (laughs) So now I was worked up by myself because I'm thinking, I've just spent X amount of money. I'm sitting here and I'm going, no, we can't do it because I just can't mentally, physically, everything just shut down and I could not. So I think for me, it changed the dynamics of that, um, mm. of, of, of sex, like for a very long time with regards to it, because of the yeah. fact that for so long, for years, you don't realize that you've done this for years. Um, that is that. Or where you're thinking, no, 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 no. Let's not have it today because guess what happens? You need to renew your stuff by this time. So therefore you, I'm not, like, it's, it's crazy. Yes, like literally you're, you're driven crazy to the point where I'm like, I don't know how you would come out on the other end and you would not have shifted something in it. Um, 
it probably shifted to some, to some point where it's like the two of you are believing in a cause and you're pushed, you know, you're pulling in the same direction because you're both wanting this. Yeah. So, so it was a good pull, you know, to say you're pulling together. Um, it was just knowing that your other person is there for you. They support you on the good days, on the bad days where you're feeling really, really crappy um, or whatever it is. So, so, you know, there were some parts of it that you're like, if there's one thing I remember saying was, if I had known that this would have been like what it would, you know, land up doing or whatever it is, I would have seeked therapy for the both yes. of us to be able just to go on and process what you're going through. You're going through the most and half the time you're probably just like, you know what? I just want to be in my room. I don't want to go out anywhere. I don't want to do anything. I just want to just shut out the world. Um, I wish someone would have said to me, oh no, if you go for therapy, that would be a brilliant thing. And I remember after the, the IVF and after having Ariko, I remember Itai and I started going for therapy. And that was the best thing that, you know, we did for ourselves yeah. because I think to myself on some level, it helped to sort of just rejig whatever it is, the, the unit, if you know mm. what I mean. So yeah. Wow. That's what it did for me. <laughs> wow. You definitely highlighted so many important factors. Wow. It's amazing. And even the fact that you, when, you, when I spoke about no pressure on your husband, because you know many times when people are trying to have sex at a certain time, the focus is on the man being able to yep. do anything because of so much pressure. Yep. But then I never actually thought about the pressure on the woman as well. And you think, oof, you can't do this right yeah. now. So... <laughs> It's interesting to note that. And also wonderful that you went for therapy because again, in, I don't know about Zimbabwe or South Africa, but in Nigeria for sure, people don't really uh, want to talk about therapy. And if they're doing it, they're doing it quietly because then they want people to perceive them as something is wrong with you for seeking therapy. But of course, you know, IVF and the whole fertility treatment is a huge deal. Like you highlighted, yeah. it has such a huge impact on yourself, on your husband, on the couple, your relationship. So mm. it is a wonderful um, idea to seek therapy just to help you manage those emotions. So well done for doing that and also for continuing to yeah. do uh, to seek therapy because again, we all need it for yeah. different, different reasons. So thank you. And yourself, I know you, we spoke about how it impacted your relationship and Thankfully, it impacted both of you in a positive way. Uh, do you think infertility changed you as a person? You think it really Yeah, like different? I said, I, th yeah. I think I am different. I don't take, I think, things for granted. Yeah. It's not, oh, it's just yet another thing. It isn't. It's the other day I was dancing with my, with my son in, in so, oh. so he's, He's into this whole thing. Like he remembers songs. Like he remembers songs. If I play a song, he'll, he'll, he'll like he'll hear him sing it to himself when he's bathing by himself. Uh, <laughs> or when we, or when we just feel like, ah, oh, listen, yeah, you can just play in the water. We'll just take you out. You have bust. Let's all count that as a bust. <laughs> um, but I was dancing to the song uh, that I used to sing, um, that I used to call one of my anthems. I had anthems just to pump yourself up to be like, listen, yeah, this is going to work. You know, we make a miracle worker, yeah. promise keeper, let's do this, you know? Mm -hmm. um, I can't even remember the song right now, but it was, it was one of my playlists. I always say, yeah. I, must, I must share that on my, on my Instagram to yes, say, what was, what, was, what was your playlist? But it was do like, share, please. yeah, I will share. So it was that. And literally, we're dancing, right? So I pick you up and I say, oh no, let's dance. Uh, you know, and he obliges. I always say he's, he's me, he's not my husband. If I say to my husband, let's dance, he'll probably be like, no, no, I would like to sit. So I always say, I'm, I'm glad that he's got that bit of me. 
and I was dancing and tears just were streaming down my face because I was just looking and I was thinking, oh my goodness, how, you know, like that cry before this would not have thought, oh my goodness, can we just stop and take a moment and just live in this present just to go on and see just God and what he does. So for me, really, what has it shifted for me or how has it changed me is that I'm not, I don't take stuff for, for granted. I don't think it just comes easy. I, I go out and just say, I would appreciate it every single day. The fact that I run, you know, I get out in the morning and I go for my run. I love that. I run with Ariko in the pram. Oh, Ariko, are you going to run today? No, I'm going to sit in the pram. Okay, cool. I guess I'm running you. I'm pushing, but it's, it's just the simplest of things that I absolutely appreciate because of just this and saying, I guess I've given God his rightful place that says he reigns over everything. Yes. Yeah. That's what it's done for me. Beautiful. Thank you for sharing. Uh, And do you have any one quote or word of affirmation that helped you during your journey that you'd like to share with anyone else listening? Would I say one word or a quote? Um, Well, my part of the affirmation gang, I don't (laughs) think I'm one of those. Like my sister was saying the other day, do you have, what's your word for 2021? I was like, listen, you're going to drive me crazy. It's going to take me 365 days trying to figure out which word is mine this year. Like, I, like I just don't hear God in that wavelength. Do you know what I mean? Like, I was like, no. Um, what's the one word? I, I think it's the, the whole thing about the fact that God keeps his promises. Beautiful. I think it's that. Like, like literally every other thing, like what I was saying to you, you know, the whole, you're a promise keeper, just to think yeah. to yourself, um, Lately, because I guess it's at the beginning of the year, if you've ever done the whole Bible in one year. Uh, yeah, devotional. I always plan it, but I'm not sure right? how far I get. But yeah, I plan it. No, <laughs> can I tell you, I'm on day. My sister said to me the other day, I said, oh, um, I'm li- today's, pre- you know, today's devotion is this, that. And she goes, Cry, that was a couple of days ago. I said, listen, yeah, God is saying as long as you're on it. I haven't fallen off the way. I know it's day 18 or 20 according to the calendar, but right now I'm on day 13 and that's okay. You know? Um, <laughs> but late right at the beginning of, of, of Genesis and stuff, there's a lot of stories with regards to infertility. You know, it's yes. your Sarah. Mm-hmm. It's uh, today's reading. I remember thinking, oh, it was Rachel. Um, Wade said, oh no, God did not give her children and gave them to Leah. Mm. And, you know, a lot of different um, people who in the Bible were suffered from infertility. Mm. But the one thing that God did was to say, whether it was 99 years for somebody, whether it was X amount of years, eventually, because he said, I, you know, I'm the God who goes in and keeps promises. So he is that. So I think for me, the affirmation was just to say, if you say to Abraham, what he promised him is the exact same thing that he's promising me because I'm his descendant. Yeah. Uh, surely you will see to, you know, for it to come to pass. And yeah, so I think for me, it was just, he, you know, the whole promise thing. He keeps those promises. Yes. He's does. not like men that he should lie. So yeah i hope that was you said a quote and i had the whole paragraph hey hey you know what i mean you encouraged us that's what matters (laughs) that's what matters and if there's anyone out there listening maybe uh listening currently going through infertility maybe the woman by herself or a couple listening do you have any words of encouragement uh, that you'd like to share with them or used to encourage them i think i would just say keep the faith yes. because that's what I only know is just keep the faith 
Um, that day when I said to you, I came back and I was, I was in this, I said, I want to go give God one more, one more chance. But yeah. you know, I mean, who am I? I'm human. Look at me giving God chances. Huh? <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, I remember the, the song that I was, you know, I was singing was, it's called A Pocket Full of Faith. Because on that day, I didn't have a faith that was like big, you know, like, like it wasn't big. And I thought to myself, I'm getting goosebumps. Just, I, you know, just the thought of just saying, keep the faith. Because all I had on that day was a pocket full of faith. Not even a truckload, not even everything in me is, is, is saying this, but this is all I've got. Because that, that was the only thing that I had. I knew no matter how much, because the doctor really said, listen, yeah, let's, let's just take the methotrexate and let's get it on. Like, let's move on. Yeah. Uh, but I was just saying to man it might look like it's impossible but to a God who owns everything and who owns creation and who is seated like I said who's not pacing up and down heaven what is right. a pregnancy keep the faith right yeah thank you so much Karai you have shared so many wonderful wonderful <laughs> Uh, you know, it, having you on here has been a blessing. You shared so many nuggets, so many words of wisdom, so many important things that would help us all and encourage us. Uh, so thank you so much for coming and sharing your story. Thank you for all the hard work you do in raising awareness in South Africa and Zimbabwe, in the whole of Africa, across the world, because uh, you might think it's just one video, one post, but you are reaching a whole lot of people all around the world. I mean, I we met through uh, your post, yeah. and it was I really <laughs> loved it, uh, all your work and everything you're doing. So thank you so much uh, for for being brave because it does take bravery in, um, I mean, in anywhere in the world, but certainly in Africa, it does take it a lot does. of bravery to uh, to come out and share your story and to so so openly. So thank you so much for encouraging us all and for letting other people watching or reading silently know that they're not alone and this doesn't define them. And for also encouraging your husband to be a part of it, because like you ha uh, rightfully said, in uh, many times in, in Nigeria, in Africa, I'm sure, and even across the world, many times the focus is on the woman. Yeah. But we all know that it's not just a woman that decides or determines if they can have a baby or not. It's, not. it's both the man and the woman. So thank you for... And uh, thank you to your husband also for coming out and being um, okay with uh, having those discussions and, you know, encouraging other people. Thank you so much, Karai. It's been a wonderful experience having you on here. Thank you so much, Ola. It was, yeah, it was great uh, being here. And yeah, with, it, it's exactly like what you're saying. The community can only grow stronger if more of us go on and speak out and like what you do. It's, it's you know, it's one of those where you're thinking to yourself, uh, you're at it, you're consistent, you're always just out there. Like, you are literally going, listen here, there's this, this, and there's another <laughs> thing, and there's another thing. Don't you want to go on this one? Don't you want to, you know, but it's, it's, it's just yeah. that way. It's like, because of the fact that I, I just think we, we're probably doing it to pay forward, but just the stuff that you do, that it's, you know, exactly right back at you for everything that you've said. Yeah. But thank you so much for having me on your platform. Thank you, Karai. And we hope to have you again in the near future. Thank you. Yeah, we should do this again. Yes, for sure. <laughs> and people should also join us on, on, on Clubhouse. On Clubhouse. Uh, we need that for sure. Yes. Clubhouse is amazing. It you is. Know? It is. Someone introduced me. The lady sent me, yeah, she sent me like an invite from, from Instagram. And I just, you know, it's just amazing when you realize how much can be done. Yeah. By, yeah. And how many people you can reach out to and reach all around the world yeah so for sure cool man thanks for ola sure. thanks so much have a great evening cheers
Thanks for joining us this week on the Fertility Conversations podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please give us a five-star rating and subscribe. Follow us on Instagram at Fertility Conversations. If there are any topics you would like to have discussed, please send an email to fertilityconversations at gmail.com. Be sure to tune in next week for our next episode. Thank you again for listening. Take care of yourself and do stay hopeful.